for everybody that they had relational trust and credibility with, they invited them. They basically put together a note and sent it out via email and put it on their doors that said, hey, we're living in a time of unparalleled anxiety. If you want to explore with us what Jesus has to say about fear and hope, and we're not going to preach, we're going to actually read his words and discuss them together and see how we might be able to live into that. Uh, we're going to meet on Zoom. So they send that out. The next Wednesday, they're meeting on Zoom. They have six families from their neighborhood wow. show up for a Discovery Bible study. Oh, man, I love they're, it. <laughs> they're blown away. Get this. The next week, he's taking the garbage out, and they know who the person of peace is in their neighborhood. It's a woman who's lived there 30 years. She knows everybody. She's kind of the matriarch in the neighborhood. And she yells over to John, hey, are you doing that Bible thing online? And John's like, yeah, yeah, we are. We met last week for the first time. She's like, what? I wasn't there. <laughs> She's like almost a little offended, you know? Yeah. She said, well, I'm going to be there next Wednesday. She came next Wednesday. She brought six more families with her. She said 13 <laughs> families. When things started to open up this summer, it emerged into the full microchurch life together. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Well, 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 here we are together again. That's awesome. Thanks for being here. Hey, I, I've been thinking about this. You know, if you thought that the turning of the page of your calendar would somehow make 2021 this new, peaceful, magical year, well, I guess, I guess we all have to guess again, huh? I mean, I don't know where you're listening from. I live here in the States. It has been crazy turmoil week here, like <laughs> sieging the Capitol, you know, like, oh my goodness, I, I can't even believe what's going on. And of course, plenty of blame to go around and, uh, oh, it's just crazy. I guess 2020 was only a precursor to where we're going. So uh, buckle up, <laughs> buckle up for 2021. Oh my goodness. Well, it's certainly not just... Uh, political changes ahead for everybody and financial and all that. But obviously, um, the way the future church gathers and makes disciples, it's going to be different. It, it just is, right? We don't know how long it's going to take to come out of COVID restrictions and all that. But, you know, let me ask you, how are you leading right now your folks to be and make disciples during these changing times? Are you kind of holding pattern and waiting for the, you know, just kind of this to end and we'll keep streaming or what. So let me let me just say, I want to show you exactly how we do it, how we make disciples in community, have done it and have adapted it for these crazy times and all that. I want to show you all the things you need to be doing as the future church kind of emerges, all right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to join me for my upcoming Everyday Disciple Challenge. Maybe you've heard me talk about these before or maybe you even did one, you know, in the past. If you did, you know how valuable they are and how much... We get done in just a few short days. This this particular Everyday Disciple Challenge is the Future Church Edition. And we're going to be talking about 
how we make disciples. There's, uh, there's frameworks and tools and mindset about all this, but it's tweaked for where we're going and what's changed, right? This particular challenge is going to start on January 18th. Uh, I want to, I want to invite you to do that with me. It's four days of training live on Facebook every day uh, for about 40 minutes or so. And it's like a workshopping, you can ask questions and all that. Um, There's worksheets each day. There's a little bit of homework to do, right? It's baby steps, but it'll show you like, oh, I could try this. Yeah, hey, that works. And you know what? My family was into it. Or I, I was doing this challenge with my, you know, some folks in my church or my small group or my missional community, and they're loving it too, right? I even give out prizes for you know, folks who do their homework, right? So you kind of get entered in and I give out Amazon gift cards and books and all that. So I really hope you'll join me for this upcoming Everyday Disciple Challenge, future church edition that starts on January 18th. Let me take a second and tell you just real quickly what's going to be in the training, all right? Um, the first day, we're going to talk about what is discipleship, and I'll, I'll give you like a practical working definition and a new framework of discipleship that'll tweak your, your head and perceptions a little bit, and it'll forever change the way you make disciples of Jesus. It really, really will. Uh, on the second day, we're going to talk about our gospel identity. I'm going to break that down and show you how that really is the foundation and how when we start to understand and help others believe and live out of their true identity, it changes our motivations and, 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 and how we perceive being sent out on mission. It's super key to making disciples in everyday life. Day three, we'll talk about discipleship rhythms. Maybe you've heard me talk about these in the past, and what I'll, I'm going to reveal six ordinary rhythms of life that are perfectly created by God for natural daily discipleship. And here's the best part. They already fit your schedule. They fit everybody's schedule. You already live this way, and so does everyone else. It's a different intentionality. And I'll give you a little bit of homework to practice a few of these things. And wow, the testimonies of what people have experienced in past challenges has always blown my mind just in these few short days. And then day four, uh, I'll talk about finding the right missional balance. This is this will sort of answer the question. Of, so how do we do this? You know, how did Jesus do this? How did he balance his time and attention as he moved, you know, his disciples from just sort of being newbies and curious onlookers to mature disciple makers who now have changed the world, right? There's He taught us a lot on that. And I'm going to share with you what we've learned and how we do that and how we impart that to others, okay? So I hope you'll join me for the challenge. Uh, to register, it's free. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge, right? Everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge, and you can register right now for free. And I want to encourage you, don't do it alone. Invite folks in your church. Make it your training for the month of January. I've had groups where they get on, they, they, they do the training, and then later that day or right afterwards, they'll hop on their own Zoom call and discuss all of it, how they want to apply it in their context. All right, I hope you'll dig that. All right, my guest today is a longtime friend and ministry dude that I love. And I'm always encouraged to be with, talk to him, learn from, and just have fun hanging out with him. My guest is, is Rob Wegner. And you may or may not know him, but you will love him after you hear him today. Um, he's a member of, uh, of an organization called Disciples Made, and he's an, a part of the executive team there. So this they help like people multiply disciples all over the place and around the world. That's why we're kindred spirits. And he's also one of the founding leaders of KC Underground. That's Kansas City, KC Underground. And they're a decentralized network uh, that reproduces disciples and leaders and microchurches. Check this out. Their 40-year vision for Kansas City is 21,000 microchurches connected through like training hubs throughout their city. Crazy, right? 
And I met him when he was the teaching pastor uh, in Indiana uh, at a huge megachurch, Granger Community Church. And uh, we got to know each other and did some training together. And I learned from him, and I got to do some training for him and his teams and all that. And he was there 21 years, right? And, um, and then he moved to Kansas City, and he was a part of Westside Family Church there for years. And now he's leading this KC Underground with others. He's also an author, written a bunch of stuff you can find out there. I'm really excited about his new book, Starfish in the Spirit. Anyway, you're going to be blown away by Rob's stories and his practical, on-the-ground type of wisdom and insights into some surprising and emerging trends within the church today. Some of them are real positive. Some are a little scary um, as we move into this new future as the church together as believers, okay? Um, the conversation we had on this was awesome, and it might just be so packed, it'll end up being a two-part episode. You'll just have to wait and see, all right? Let's listen now. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me, man. I wanted to do this a few weeks ago. Well, actually, maybe a month and a half ago before the, the holidays hit, and of course, you know, Mr. No Notice, I'm like, hey, how's it going? You're like, I'm pretty good. I'm like, could you hop on a call like now with me? <laughs> So hey, it's so great to hear from you and so fun to just tell you no. And then now to be able to tell you, yes, <laughs> I've been looking <laughs> well, forward to it. Uh, I was one of those like you. hold out hopes, you know, I know Rob <laughs> listens to Jesus. Jesus told me to call Rob. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Hey, well, I am, I'm kind of, you know, been uh, ringing the bell since the sort of pandemic and all the shifts in the church started happening and people were kind of losing their mind. I've been kind of ringing the bell like, hey, 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 big opportunity, guys. Like, sure, there's yes. challenges and no one wants to see anybody dying and all that. But I, I, I'm feeling like in many ways, prayers of mine for 15, 20 years are starting to be answered, you know, in some new ways. And, and you know, I talked about even here on the podcast before, like, what if this pandemic is not so much happening to us, but it's happening for us? You know, like, and I'm not, you know, I'm not looking to debate, you know, all the sovereignty of God and future and causal nature and all that. But I really, even more than ever, sense that. And I'm excited for where I think the church is going and can go because of a bit of a reset. But I'm also, I have some pause over some things, you know, like, oh, wait a minute. But that is, is that how we're going to? you know, mm -hmm. sort this, you know? And so I really wanted to talk to you because I, I just so respect you, man, and the hard work you've put in. And and like myself, you've had a pretty wide ranging experience of, of church, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like both yes, in sir. your own personal life, but then also vocationally. And, you know, I let folks kind of hear a little bit of your story there in the intro. But um, I just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on some of, you know, where you see the church heading and some trends in different areas, what you're excited about, what you're not so stoked about, you know, and all that. So I thought, you know, fair is fair though. Let me ask you because, you know, you're leading church in a church and you're helping others do the same. Um, what have you been up to personally there in Kansas city? That's been most encouraging, even as you've, you know, had to adjust with, you know, lockdowns and social distancing, like what have you been trying or what are you most encouraged about? Just like, hey, we've been trying this and we're seeing this happen. That's, uh, that's a great question. First of all, thanks again for your influence in my life. And uh, your fingerprints are on uh, the Kansas City Underground. And to answer your question, you know, the way we're organized is we, our primary sense of identity is that of a mission agency. Hmm. And so we exist um, to equip ordinary people to be loving disciple makers 
and to plant themselves among an unreached pocket of people that they can name, that they know, that they live with, that they love and would die for. And that as they gain credibility there and small talk becomes significant talk, becomes spiritual conversation and becomes gospel conversation, they'll plant the gospel and make new disciples. So we're, we're not quote unquote a church. Um, we have a network of a lot of little churches. We have I know seven. you're super involved in yours, though. <laughs> you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm just yep. asking Rob Wagner, ordinary yeah, guy. Yeah. What are you stoked about right now? <laughs> Here's what I'm excited about: is um, right on through the pandemic, uh, the form of church and this kind of the missionary endeavor, mm-hmm. and then the, the commitment to make disciples in pockets of lostness. Um, what we've seen is it it's mostly accelerated what we're what we're doing. Um, so this form of church is proven to be pandemic proof. And we're young, like we're just a little baby. Mm. Uh, we're like we're 20 months old. So when the pandemic hit, we're just over a year old. Not quite sure what this is going to do to us. Right. And right. you know, by God's grace, we've seen baptisms continue, new discovery Bible studies new microchurches emerging. Yeah. Um, and it's been uh, amazing, you Man. know, to, to see that continued um, acceleration of disciple making and gospel planting. So the, I guess the most encouraging thing for me is um, this way of being the church uh, has proven to be pandemic proof by and yeah. large. Well, amen. So, <laughs> amen to that. And and how exciting and praise God that, that you guys are seeing growth through this time. And, and you know what? You're not alone. You know, we, we coach a lot of people. And of course, you know, the quote model of church that we, you know, are, I guess, promoting or advocating or equipping to is clearly both scattered and, you know, gathered. But um, we definitely believe that the primary organizing structure is you know, smaller groups, oikoses, communities on mission, and as they multiply and share leadership, all that stuff. But same thing, we're seeing a lot of people um, really experiencing like, hey, it's different. Uh, Maybe personally, people haven't had the same numbers hanging out in their home at one time, but it's forced them to be a little more creative and actually go deeper with people, which you know, we're constantly saying that the kingdom of God expands at the speed of relationship. And then the gospel moves along the lines of trust. And this is, this has produced this in spades. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you one story. Uh, So one of the things that we've adopted is something we call the missionary pathway. So all of our training of our missionaries, uh, we walk through five phases and this is based off of the observations of guys like David Watson um, of great Mm -hmm. disciple making movements around the world that they typically go through the same phases. So, and we've contextualized it and used our language, but basically phase one is extraordinary prayer and fasting. No one gets to skip the upper room. No one gets to skip the wilderness. Um, we have the number one skill of any missionaries listening to the voice of the spirit and responding, yeah. you know, in belief and obedience. And, yeah. and then phase two is live as a missionary. And that's where we're teaching people the blessed rhythms, begin in prayer, listen and engage, eat, serve story. We're teaching about, um, looking for the person of peace and going deep there. Um, and we get a lot of clarity on missional focus. Like you can't be a great missionary in six contexts. You really got to pick a primary, maybe have a secondary and go all in. And then phase three is plant the gospel, which uh, we teach gospel fluency skills. Guess where we learned that from? <laughs> and uh, also discovery Bible study, 
Uh, and then phase four is microchurch emerges. So now you're making new disciples, a new extended spiritual family emerges, and we have certain rhythms we teach there. And then phase five is multiplication. Here's what we've seen. Um, everybody who was in phase two and well into it, when COVID hit, it accelerated what they were doing. So for example, John Phase Heather, two again was what? Live as a missionary. There you go. Yeah. So, so people that were living incarnationally, practicing the blessed rhythms, identifying people of peace. So John and Heather Grisham, uh, they're both doctors. Um, they have a sense of calling to the Algerian immigrant community in our city, but they're also living like great missionaries in their neighborhood. And the work in the Algerian community is a slower work. Um, and they were starting to have spiritual conversations with three or four of their neighbors prior to COVID. When COVID hit and the, we went into full lockdown, they got this prompting. Um, they, for everybody that they had relational trust and credibility with, they invited them. They basically put together a note and sent it out via email and put it on their doors that said, hey, we're living in a time of um, unparalleled anxiety. If you want to explore with us what Jesus has to say about fear and hope, and we're not going to preach, we're going to actually read his words and discuss them together and see how he might, we might be able to live into that. Uh, we're going to meet on Zoom. So they send that out. The next Wednesday, they're meeting on Zoom. They have six families from their neighborhood wow. show up for a Discovery Bible study. Oh, man, I love they're, it. <laughs> they're blown away. Get this. The next week, he's taking the garbage out, and they know who the person of peace is in their neighborhood. It's a woman who's lived there 30 years. She knows everybody. She's kind of the matriarch in the neighborhood. They both end up taking their garbage out at the same time. And she yells over to John, hey, are you doing that Bible thing online? And John's like, yeah, yeah, we are. We met last week for the first time. And she says, how many, how many people showed up? And John says, six of the families. And this person of peace who like runs the neighborhood, she's like, what? I wasn't there. <laughs> she's like almost a little offended, you know? Yeah. She said, well, I'm going to be there next Wednesday. She came next Wednesday. She brought six more families with her. She said 13 <laughs> families doing Discovery Bible study. When things started to open up this summer, it emerged into the full microchurch life together. Yep. Amen. And, and, and we saw that happen in a number of contexts. What here a in cool Kansas thing. City. You know, and so the hardest thing about that, because like I know those people, I don't know them, but you know what I mean? I know those people. The hardest thing was like, okay, we're going to go ahead and put out the invite. You know, it might yes. seem weird to some people, it might be awkward. And, but the spirit's moving them, right? And then they do it. And then people are like, heck yeah, let's do this. And then the person of peace goes, oh, watch this. The hardest thing is we've somehow as, as the church, we just, we pre, we pre-elect everything for everybody. Mm. Hey, you know, we, we were having people over, but I think with the COVID thing, no one will do anything anymore. It didn't even matter what the lockdowns were. It's like, well, why don't you throw it out there and let people vote for themselves? All right, well, we'll do it outside. We'll do a barbecue. Boom. Like the whole neighborhood still came. Yeah. Okay. But we tend to pre-vote like, well, I don't know who's going to want to do a Bible study on Zoom with us that they don't even, you know, it's like. Well, how about it's free to ask, you know what I mean? And like, and if you're a person of peace, if you live as one, no one's going to be flipped out and angry at you about it. They might say right. no, or they might not come, but hey, you know, we tell people you're still going to kind of get relational points just because you're trying to offer hope and, yes. and speak peace, you know, and, and blessing into people's lives. So even if they don't come to your thing or join you in a thing, I tell people, you still kind of get most of the you relational do. points. You know? Yeah. So, even the people who came were probably like, I'm really glad we have neighbors who want to bring us together. Yeah. In yep. a time of crisis. I, who yeah. doesn't want to live in that kind of neighborhood? 
Exactly. Well, what a great story, man. Okay, let me get to a few questions. I'm going to move us a little bit rapid fire. Um, or if we go, you know, crazy long, then we'll just, we'll do this two parts. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the listeners will know at the end, all right? As, as, as will we, okay? Um, so going forward, do you think like digital church and live streaming is kind of here to stay for most church communities? And, and the use of more asynchronous things and Zoom and just digital tooling. Do you think that's a, that's going to be here to stay, even if we look at in our rearview mirror and go, everybody's fine now and we're past it? Yeah, I, th I think there's, and I think Barna's research is bearing this out. I think there's three categories of people. So Barna so far has said 30% of the people who are engaged with some level of church activity have not engaged in anything. So they, they've been living almost a year now without any engagement. So that's pretty sobering news to church leaders. Another 30%, yeah. you know, are engaging online. And then the churches that have opened up are experiencing about a 30 or 40% average of what was prior to COVID. And I think trends that were happening before COVID were just accelerated by COVID. Yeah. So the decline of like in-person church attendance as the kind of primary metric, uh, it was already trending down. This just basically put accelerant on it. Yes. And, and so it's been a moment of reckoning um, because it's shown the fragility of making a weekend service, the catalytic engine for everything. Right. Um, and how, actually weak of a unifier that is so i do think that means that the sort of fidgetal like physical gatherings digital gatherings did you just say fidgetal i did oh my goodness <laughs> oh my gosh okay write that down fidgetal <laughs> i do think that is going to be the way of it moving forward you know and i and i'm all for the church having her voice heard in that digital space and taking advantage of that my my trepidation which is a great one you know is um like we're flattening the definition of church even more mm -hmm. it's becoming even thinner more radically reduced and you and i i'm no i'm preaching to the choir like for us church is an identity it's not an activity church is an extended spiritual family on mission or on the mission of jesus it's mm -hmm. not a building it's not Amen. a program it's not an event but the danger of the digital expression is, well, now we're shrieking it down to, did someone even click on for 30 seconds? And we count that as, quote unquote, church engagement. Right, right. And, and, and I think, unfortunately, not for everybody, but for, I'm going to guess, a, a substantial percentage of people who are in that 30% block that are tuning in online, but maybe not coming. Um, once the top got popped off, that that was legitimized. Now they get to go, well, you know, um, I was checking it out and it turns out that our live stream is a little boring compared to this guy's or this church is over here or what the heck. I'm just going to listen to Tim Keller every Sunday now that it's legitimate. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, or whoever. Right. And no, I, I agree. And now I, it's going to be and, like, and so, who's got the best product. Right. And, and listen, in some ways they might actually be getting more gospel centered input through the blessing that is sermons, but is, you know, 
is that kind of going to only feed our consumeristic hearts? I, you know, I have the same heart, so, you know, I get it. Um, is that going to feed our consumers to say like, you know what, now that it's legitimate not to go to anything and the truth be known, even when I went, I didn't talk to anybody and we didn't really do much midweek for most people, or we just did it for a few months a year, took the summers off. It was kind of about us. We made that about once a month or, and, you know, so it wasn't a huge component not like what we're talking about in advocating a community on mission together. Um, now they just get to go, oh, well, since it's legitimized and I don't have to feel guilty about that, I can go ahead and do whoever I want. And oh, by the way, why does it have to even happen on Sunday morning? Mm -hmm. You know, and I have people telling me like, you know, uh, our, our new thing is we just listen to your podcast as, as a family on Sunday and we discuss it. And I'm like, well, you know, okay, cool. But like, unless you're forming community to do life with, like, please don't make that the end goal. <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I not, do know what you're saying. Yeah, it, so. It's a, it's a further, uh, in my view, which I'm not saying I'm right, but to me, it's potentially a further drift from the core mission of disciple making, where it's like, yeah. now I don't even have to go to the building to get the christian ted talk i can just mm. listen to it in my car in isolation or with two or three well, people and the truth be known ever since this thing called the interweb started up you could get like unlimited killer sermons but i think it's been like now it's been anointed and, and legitimized by every church in the country and of course some of them are putting on the crazy show you know and they get all the gear to feed it but a lot of them man i you know i've scrolled through a few like facebook's goes hey it's sunday morning you want to see, you want to see some stuff and you'll scroll through and you're like ouch man like <laughs> ouchy like not only is it not it's not good you know it's not helpful it's not like like anything else you'd ever watch and consume you know that you care about but there's no one there so then my heart's breaking for these people that are up there yes pouring their hearts out man you know and they're and they're really you know and they're singing well, through masks and they're all standing like 18 feet apart on the stage even though no one's in the building and i'm like wow man just get tested and then you know staying close to each other i don't know it's well the, it's been it's, heartbreaking you know it is it is and i feel that i mean i feel the angst of church leaders who uh, they love Jesus. They love their people. They feel like they've had a bunch of their tools taken away from them. And they've had to learn this kind of weird, awkward, new environment. And the thing that I've been encouraging church leaders who I'm in conversation with that are working inside that expression of the church, I'm like, rather than putting all your best energy into trying to create the greatest streaming service, it would be better to start thinking about your church as a decentralized network yeah. of disciples and smaller expressions of the church. You can call it small groups or microchurch and put your very best energy in equipping the leaders of those smaller uh, expressions yep. of the church. Like give your best energy to that. The that challenge is, is they don't, they weren't trained in that in seminary yep. and they're not, we've been busier than ever. 2020, we, we have been as busy as we've ever been in doing the stuff we love to do. And I, I don't see 2021 getting slower, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. because so many people are going, okay, okay. I've been kind of tracking with this, you know, quote unquote, missional thing and movement. And you know, we've tried to do a little both and, but the truth is we don't really know how to make disciples in community. Right. And the tr another truth is no one's ever modeled it for us. And another truth is I and my family and, and most of my buddies who, you know, lead like this, we've kind of got into a pretty good groove of being professionals, meaning mm -hmm. I kind of like where I can turn it on and turn it off, but like, I can't 
I can't legitimately start equipping people in a life I don't live. And so I need help. I need right help. On. And how do I start? And in the basics. And I was just, you know, before we hopped on, I was sharing that, you know, we're getting ready to do this everyday disciple challenge again, where we do four days of training and we give out a micro homework and we coach to it and we answer everybody's questions and get on live with, you know, it's like we pretty much stay awake for a week, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> thousands of people do this with us, man. It's crazy. And, 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 and people are hungry, both you know, leaders and just normal, you know, brothers and sisters that are going, Hey, like, I don't know if we're going to get equipped in this. So we're going to go ahead and start taking, you know, taking on getting equipped in discipleship and all of life. So, well, we've, we've experienced the same surge, man. And I, that's when one of the greatest, um, dare I say blessings of the pandemic, I think the remnant of church leaders who are willing to deeply rethink what it means to be the church and lead the church. It feels like prior to COVID, I had to spend a lot more time on the converting side of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And and now the number of church leaders that are ready to do that work and to start afresh and rebuild seems to surge. And I think that's a huge gift to the church. Praise God. And I tell people, hey, listen, man, don't don't be beating yourself up. We're right all on. where we're at. We all start exactly where we're at. And if you've never been discipled in a way that's like in all of life, you're not going to osmosisly or read enough books to pull that off. You're going to need some help. You're going to need some mm -hmm. equipping, some coaching. And like, don't fear that. There's nothing in life that anybody does really well that they didn't get help or coached or apprenticed in. You know what I mean? Rare Absolutely. is the person that's like, I went to the Home Depot and I bought all the tools and rabbit tuners <laughs> and planers and, and I, I dropped, you know, $4,500 on really expensive wood and look at these amazing cabinets I'm making. Like, you know what I mean? Like right away, like, yeah, no, Johnny Two Fingers, you know what I mean? You got to chop right. half your hand off, you know, like trying to get there. I wonder, I wonder if in light of this change and, and, you know, people like having to hopefully move towards more of a focus of equipping the saints, you know, if the, if the role of uh, the sermon is going to be, you know, reborn or reimagined going forward. Like in other words, if I am getting people to tune in, because it's not unlimited time that we have, right. To like, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm live 15 times a week. It's like, Whoa, really? I don't know. You know, but will the sermon be about you know, Bible literacy, or will it get more into fluency, gospel fluency, like we've been advocating for a decade or two? And will will the sermon be reimagined as the equipping of the saints for acts of service and mission? And and I think you get to do both at the same time. It means I think you can teach the word and 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 preach the gospel to the you know every single passage in that book, and you can make it equipping, or you can make it head knowledgey. Right. Like mm -hmm. what I grew up with, like, here's, here's what it says. Here's what it means. Go do it. You know, like, uh, that doesn't equip me though. <laughs> you know, what do you I think? Do you think the sermon's going to have to change if it's less people are showing up to consume it and then, and then we're pushing it, you know, out there. Well, um, for us in the Kansas city underground, one of the services that we offer for missionaries and micro churches is we do have an almost weekly, it's three out of four weeks. Uh, we have what we call an equipping gathering and it's exactly what you're talking about it's not per se everybody who's in a micro church anywhere in kansas city come to this building we're having a quote-unquote worship service it's not that it's actually targeted for the leaders hmm. for missionaries and micro church leaders and it's a time 
of gospel refreshment and equipping to help them flourish in their souls, but also in the communities that they're leading. And I do think that is a shift that whatever form of church you're leading, it's time to consider that. It's, it's time to say, okay, what I'm doing in the weekend has to be about equipping what's happening in the disciple-making relationships and the disciple-making communities in my church. And if it isn't, uh, then it may actually just be an adventure missing the point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Because I think we're what most churches are experiencing is the weekend service as the primary method of evangelism is reaching a smaller and smaller portion of the population. And that's not, that's not going to change. That's only going to probably continue. Yeah. So, so that means we have to begin to think about how do we equip everyone as a missionary because the, because of the diversification of our culture. And it's just like, if you and I were going to go, let's say to Papua New Guinea, and let's say there's a 200 square mile section there, and there's 200 different tribes there. And it's our job to actually saturate all the tribes with the gospel, that whole region. You and I are not going to sit down and go, you know what we need? We need a building in the middle. Huge and, building right in the middle. And, and then we're going to we're going to preach from our tippy toes and play some amazing Bethel music because they have different dialects and different cultures. <laughs> well, we'll get those headsets, bro, with translators whispering <laughs> in the back so no one can hear anything. You know? And I'm trying, when I'm having conversations with other church leaders, I'm trying to say that is the situation you're in now yes, in America. Is. Yes, it like, is. And, and so what you do on the weekend can reach a certain tribe, but you got to realize that's a smaller and smaller percentage of the entire population. But if you equip every member as a missionary, now you have all these mosaics of mission yeah. because God's already distributed them into all these different pockets of people. I think and, it's going and, to take a lot of humility going forward, brother, you know, for, for yeah. leaders and especially uh, teachers, pastors, you know, get, let's just say they're all like the most gifted. Okay. And so they're really good at what they've been trained to do and what they've now honed a skill in. I think it's going to take a lot of humility to say, I have to pivot. I have to pivot to what I'm doing to equip people to be able to communicate a fluency of the gospel into all those little people groups and pockets of neighbors and influence and trust. I have to. The days are, like you said, are are really kind of over or certainly, you know, diminishing where anybody thinks, you know, the way I'm going to get fill in the blank person or people group saved is I'm going to drag them to hear you. It just, you know, it's just not. It's just not. And yeah, there's going to be a few rare exceptions that are similar to what's happened with Walmart in the mom and pop stores. Like there's going to be those epic communicators that have massive influence, lots of churches, you know, lots of campuses. But mostly, let's be honest, it's, it's not reaching a bunch of new people that are completely unchurched. A lot of that is Christians picking a better product. Yep. And and what's going to happen is everything that's kind of in the middle, the midsize stuff, um, I think it's going to be very difficult. Hey, why don't you and I figure out like what we could do with a couple, maybe thousand, it'll be way more net, church buildings that are of that midsize that are just going to become like we don't use it and can't really – you know, afford the upkeep anymore. What, 
what's the model for repurposing those to be a blessing to the city? Not that the church couldn't, they're part of the city, couldn't still be able to get blessed by it. But the, I, 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 my wife and I drive around looking at just shuttered up church buildings and we go like, oh, you know, we're entrepreneurs. <laughs> We've run a lot of businesses. Well, let me tell you about one guy in Kansas City. Like, doing like just there's got to be a model or a series well, of models through a lens, right? That we can help people like, we're going to repurpose a lot of real estate guys. Get ready. <laughs> Well, there's, there's, there's a guy here in South Bend that we've connected with and he leads, it's called Narthex. It's a for-profit business. And what he does is he goes in and he purchases old church buildings. And then what he's doing is he's repurposing them as like multi-use space. So, and then sometimes the churches will continue to meet there, but he'll lease the kit. Like, for example, one of the church buildings, they had like an industrial kitchen. Well, now it's a community kitchen and there's three or four different uh, small business owners that come in and they use that as their kitchen to create their product, which they sell out of a food truck or whatever. Uh, a counseling center is in another part of that building. So he's basically, it's kind of like taking a church building and then repurposing it for, excuse the crass analogy, almost like a strip mall. Yeah. With yeah. multiple businesses in it. And then the church can still use the building for their portion of what they need during the week. But their their cost now has been dramatically reproduced and he's been very successful, man. Well, the challenge would be your average person is not equipped to pull that off. Yes. Yeah. For you sure. know what I mean? As it is, we've already done such injustice to lead pastors because they not only have to be the best communicator, but they have to be a CEO to the stars and the best counselor. And the, you know what I mean? Like, wait, 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 I don't know anybody who's got all the, all the talents and gifts, man, you know? <laughs> Exactly. So now, well, now you have to be a real estate developer and uh, a broker. And, right. and it's like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I know. Here's So here's a call going out to anybody who feels like, you know, I've been in real estate forever. Just do it in your town. Yep. Do it in your county. Don't look at like, I got to do this globally, right? Could you help organize the purchasing of away from churches? So it's like, you know, maybe it's just what they owe on it. You know, maybe it's just, we'll get you out from underneath your mortgage guys. That's yep. it. But then we're going to give you this really low cost lease going forward. And it'll actually go down in value as we get more and more of this building repurposed. How about them apples? You know what right I mean? Yes. And, and maybe you do one or two in your city, you know, but like, that's what it's going to take. It's not going to be like, you know, um, Jeff Bezos, you know, he, he decided that Amazon was going to get into the repurposing of buildings as drone headquarters, you know, and, uh, and he's going to go ahead and let churches use them. Probably not going to happen. Now he might do the drone headquarter thing, but he's probably not going to let the, the churches use them. Right. So I, there's, this is, but see, this is the kind of stuff that gets me excited. And I go, Oh man, but there's good days ahead to be a blessing like that to communities yes. and schools. How many school districts have extra money and space? None. <laughs> there's not one. Okay. So think about how most buildings are laid out. They're kind of like schools and they got mm -hmm. lunchroom and they've got, you know, like, like, you know, places you could, it's crazy. And so I don't know. I, I, I'm just kind of curious about, you know, like what's going to happen with all these buildings. <laughs> Me too, man. And I, I love the way you're dreaming. Well, we got to, we got to keep dreaming and, and, you know, and, and hopefully spurring other people on to dream dr big dreams right now in our coaching, because it was, you know, the end of the year, a couple of weeks ago, like in our coaching, we've been 
asking people like, hey, you know, just curious if you're, you know, into goal setting or not. You know, I, I kind of am, you know, I'm not Mr. Freaky goal setting, but I, it turns out whenever I set goals, I tend to hit them a whole lot more often than when I don't set them. You know what I mean? So, so <laughs> right. but we've been, we've been helping with that. And I, you know, one of the things was I said like, hey, this next year, because everything is changed, like the future church, man, it's now, you know, whatever that means. Um, what's your, you know, BHAG? Remember, remember from the Collins book, uh, Good to Great? He talked about big, hairy, audacious goals. Like, what's your BHAG for your family, for your missional community, for your church, for your network right now this year? Like something you go like, it's so big and hairy and audacious that God will have to show up, you know? Like, yeah. let's dream towards that, guys. And let's pray towards that. And let, let, we'll help equip you towards that. And, and I hope people even here in this today with, with the opportunities and the changes and some of the warnings that are coming out of this conversation will spur them to thinking, man, wouldn't it be a big, hairy, audacious goal to do X, Y, or Z with our community or with our building or help churches in our town flip that stuff so they get out from me at the burden of that, but they get freed up to be a blessing and, and we'll make this thing a blessing and we'll actually make it profitable. Like it'll churn out so it can help fund other blessings. How about them apples or more buildings getting flipped or I don't know, you know? What's the BHAG, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, for me, the way we're organized in the underground, we have four what we call organizing identities. And the first one is that of a missionary. So it's the birthright of every child of God to be a missionary disciple maker. When we do that, when we plant ourselves and plant the gospel, what emerges is a microchurch. And so the microchurch is the second identity. That's an extended spiritual family led by ordinary people seeking to live in everyday gospel community, owning the mission of Jesus and their network of relationships. Man, you've been then, reading my, my stuff, bro. Like I. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know that for sure. You're just way better and, at organizing than I am. I told you last time we talked, I'm just, can I come work for you? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the next one is what we call collectives. So when microchurches begin to multiply in either an affinity group or a geographic area, we get them in a network of four to six microchurches. Um, and then uh, there's elders that provide oversight and care and leadership. And then hubs. So hubs are like the mission agency. It's not a church plant. We don't offer weekend services. They have seven different equipping teams mm -hmm. that provide the service platform. And they do, a hub does have a shared space. That's like a co-working space for missionaries and microchurches. Um, so our goals for this next year is we want to double the number of missionaries because we have a missionary commitment, you know, that you sign, um, which is a, is a BHAG. So like what took us 20 months to get to we want to see double than the next 12 months. Um, and then Love also it. we're going from one hub to at least three hubs. And we're actually like in our heart, it's like four hubs <laughs> in the next year, which is a very aggressive goal. But God has already been raising up these teams of apostolic leaders in other parts of the city. Um, so those are our BHAGs. We want to double the number of missionaries and go from one hub to at least three or four hubs next year. Man. High five, air five you, bro, on that. That's praise God. And you know what? I, I promise, as the Spirit reminds me of this, I'm going to be praying for that with you. Thank you. Our, our good you. dad is, man, he's way out ahead. That's so, that's so exciting, though, man. Oh, man. I am so pumped up by this conversation. And, and I'm full of hope. I really am. 
I love talking to Rob, and I, again, I love the fact he's on the ground level doing this with others, you know. And as I thought might be the case, we're going to have to pick this conversation up in part two, which I'm going to release in just a couple days for you. I won't make you wait a whole week, so I'll go ahead and release part two of this. There's just so much more to come, and Rob throws down some pretty strong language and challenges to all of us. He really does. It really encouraged me and challenged me pretty strong ways, all right? And I want to get to the big three from our talk today, um, but I also want to say if you're not living in Kansas City and you were like, oh, man, that's the kind of stuff I want and need, and you feel like I want to be equipped to make disciples who make disciples in everyday life, well, I want to help you get started right away, right where you live. Remember earlier I talked about this, this Everyday Disciple Challenge Future Church Edition it's starting up on January 18th, okay? So please join me for those four days of training and workshopping and worksheets and homework and all that, all right? Uh, you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge to register right now. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge. It's all free. Invite your friends. Bring your team. You'll be glad you did, and you can discuss it and learn together. All righty. So as always, here's the big three takeaways from today's talk, this part one of looking at emerging trends. And if nothing else, you don't want to miss these, right? And as always, I'll, I'll send you a printable PDF of the big three as a free download. All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. And then you can, boom, I'll send it to you, you can download it, and that way you got it for talking points with others or just as a reminder for yourself. Okay, first, remember this. The interruptions or disruptions you've experienced as a church can lead to a very bright future if you embrace it. You know, much of the decline in church attendance that was already being experienced worldwide has only been accelerated by the pandemic. And so a wait to return to normal, sort of that type of a posture, is futile. It just is. It's futile because things have changed forever now. Many churches, leaders, and everyday disciple makers are experiencing great relational growth, and they have during these past several months, and it's now bearing fruit out there in the normal rhythms of life. I want you to be encouraged by that. Okay, number two, God has not been surprised or caught off guard by any of this. His plan, his eternal plan to fill the whole world with his glory stands and it'll never be thwarted. He's accomplishing that. Our good father is reminding us in these times that he has always intended for the gospel to inform and transform all of life, not just once or twice each week sitting in a church building. We're watching a live stream or whatever, right? The gospel is the answer to every question. And growing in your gospel fluency in all of life and then helping others do the same will lead you to greater spiritual freedom, the very thing that Jesus promised us. And number three, steward this time of change and your people's openness to something new, right? Be a good steward of this time. Spend extra time equipping your people in the only mission that Jesus gave us, making disciples who make more disciples of Jesus. Paint pictures with your life for them. Show them how this is paving the road to a new way of being in the future as this crisis passes. And remember, what if all the changes that this pandemic has brought to the church is not happening to us, but it's happening for us? You know, leaders, you've been placed in your position for such a time as this. Embrace it, okay? Embrace it. And I really do hope you'll join me for the Everyday Disciple Challenge. That's it for today, but please, you know, remember, in a couple days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you part two of this conversation with Rob, and we're going to go deeper into even more 
emerging you know trends and changes that we're seeing in for the church in, in as we go into this new future together and you're gonna love it and and like i said rob throws pretty hard some pretty cool stuff out there and pretty hard challenges but uh, i hope you'll check out that next episode i'll talk to you real soon Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.